Hello and welcome to the Outdoors Adventure Podcast, a new podcast set up to bring you exciting content from the world of the outdoors adventure. We'll be aiming to bring you news, events, gear reviews, trip reports, hints, tips, interviews and much more on a monthly basis to give you your outdoors fix wherever you listen to your podcasts. UK based, we'll be trying to cover as wide a geography as possible from Scottish Highlands to Dartmoor and everything in between really. We'll also try and bring you a, a wide variety of activities, so paddleboarding, mountain biking, climbing, walking, hiking, geocaching, caving, anything outdoors related, we'll try and cover. In today's episode, we've got a, um interview with Hayley Webb, mountain leader, about how she turned her mountain leading business into her life. Um, we've got a introduction to geocaching with a drive across the Scottish Highlands. We've got a new section which includes the latest news on Dartmoor. We've got um, uh, all the events happening in the next month to inspire you for your next outdoors trip. And then there's going to be a monthly uh, regulars such as Fact of the Month and Question of the Month, which will be starting from next month. As always, oh, and also towards the uh, end of the podcast i've done a short introduction to myself not that that'll be particularly interesting but i thought you might like to know who it is whose voice you're going to be listening to as always with a new podcast though it won't be anything without your input so if you would like to add any trip reports of your own have any news you'd like to share with the listeners or have an interesting guest you'd like to include then i have set up a email address and the email address is outdoors adventure podcast at hotmail.co.uk sorry that's wrong <laughs> it is the first one let me off outdoors adventure podcast at hotmail.com likewise if you're a brand who would like to get in touch uh, to advertise or include any new gear in our reviews or updates for the new section then do feel free to get in touch I'll be aiming to bring these out monthly. I do understand uh, the importance of sort of uh, bringing them out regularly. So uh, the last week of the month, and I'll be aiming for the Wednesday. Now, give me a day or two, but um, yeah, I'll be aiming on the last Wednesday of the month. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the first episode of the Outdoors Adventure Podcast. So one thing I forgot to mention, uh, like I say, it is the first one, first one, so bear with me. Um, I did forget to mention that there is a Facebook page set up as well. So if you want to join the Facebook group, it's the Outdoors Adventure Podcast on Facebook. Um, thinking of trying to set up a, um, a TikTok maybe as well or Twitter and other other forms, maybe later, later on down the line. Um, by far the best thing you can do with a new podcast as well is if you enjoy this, if you just subscribe um, on your podcast app, subscribe to this, pops into your into your inbox monthly. And then it's really important for new podcasts to get reviews. So if you can leave a five-star review, uh, really appreciate it. It really helps bump the podcast up. And so it becomes much more visible um, and a lot more people will find it. Um, so yeah, if you can do that, then that'd be fantastic.
Okay, we're going to uh, crack on with an interview now. Uh, the interview this week is uh, this week, this month. <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm not doing these weekly, by the way. I'd love to do these weekly, but I just don't have the time. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. This month um, is with Hayley Webb. And Hayley Webb is a mountain leader, outdoors instructor. She has a fairly inspiring story, really. Uh, being a single mum moving up from London to the Lake District without a plan, essentially. Uh, she now has a successful mountain leading business where she travels all over the UK, UK and in fact the world. Um, before we crack on with it, I just um, want to make a note that I do. I am aware of the fact that in the interview I say that they've changed the name of Snowden. I'm fully aware, before anyone complains, that they've not changed the name of Snowden. They're just encouraging the proper use of the of, of its name. So, yeah, apologies for that. I'm fully aware of the fact they've not actually changed the name. Uh, okay, so let's crack on with the interview. So we're here with uh, Hayley Webb, as I've just introduced. And uh, part of the interview section that I want to get across on the podcast is it's about inspiration and inspiring people to... Uh, follow their dreams in the outdoors, of which Haley has definitely done. Um, welcome, Haley. Hello. Hello. So, uh, I suppose a good place to start with yourself is let's take me take us right back, um, back to the beginning. Where did your sort of inspiration and love for the outdoors come from? My parents, really. Oh. Mm, yeah. So, out with my parents when I was young, uh, dragged us all over the place, and I mean literally dragged uh, in some points. Um, and I definitely went through a teenage phase of being a bit Kevin and Perry-ish. Well, I don't want to do this. <laughs> my dad was way in front and me and my mum were lagging behind. And I'd get to the rock thinking, oh, yeah, we'll have a rest where my dad sat. And then he'd carry on going. And, oh, God. But I kind of then came through the other side of that as I kind of hit my early 20s and started to go back out with my daughter. So it's definitely been in my blood and my family life from when I was about six, seven. Okay. Where, where else did you grow up? Grew up in kind of, well, kind of Middlesex, really. Right. Sounds a bit posh, doesn't it, for me? Um, so West London, for those that don't know where Middlesex is. So I was near Ealing, Harrow, around that area. We used to go up a little local hill, which probably isn't even really a hill now. It's called Horsenden Hill, um, which probably nobody's ever heard of. Actually, one lady has heard of it because um, she saw it in my write-up on my website and actually contacted me to say that she knows where Horsenden Hill is. Uh, and we just got there. And then we'd go to Derbyshire and uh, we'd go to the New Forest, uh, walk around the Surrey Hills. Uh, and then really my first mountain, I was 11. And mum and dad got me out of school early on the Friday and we went to Snowdonia and I did the Snowden horseshoe. Lovely. And we didn't good, go good up. Introduction. Did you do Krugok at 11 years we old? Did, we did. We did. We did do it first. <laughs> and then we did. I shouldn't call it Snowden anymore. It's a Withfer. Oh, no. Of um, course. It changed the name recently, haven't they? Yeah. So, yeah, we went up a Withfer and round to uh, Krugok. And I definitely remember uh sitting on there watching my dad with his hands in his pockets and I was like daddy daddy please hold on oh my god we're gonna die um and he's <laughs> actually got he's got slides from it like that god that's how old I am wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you're showing your age there yeah so I was 11 and I remember overtaking an army group and the sergeant or whoever was the ch- in charge at the time was shouting come on there's a little girl beating you and I was like wow yeah <laughs> but I was pretty terrified however yeah that was my first proper mountain day yeah I mean that's, a, a, that's a good introduction to, to mountaineering Grip <laughs> Gok at 11 years old I mean I've got yeah, a definitely... year old and I thought I've been doing that in five years this is uh yeah <laughs> take them take them <laughs> I did it to my daughter <laughs> 
so that was uh that was sort of the early days then so you're around sort of middle sex way for most of your life and then up to sort of only for one trip to 11 from yeah. jumping forward quite well what are you now 21 now aren't you so jumping forward thank you to <laughs> 10 years now <laughs> uh jumping forward a few years shall we say you're now based in the lake district so that's a bit of a jump What's, yeah. what was the driving force from the from london to the lake district well i ended up living down in wiltshire initially um just outside of bath and i had my daughter when i was 20 i was really young when i had jordan <clears throat> and i when she was like three i thought oh you know i need to do something to get out she felt a little bit of a handful and i was a young mum on my own so i drove across seven bridge and discovered the brecon beacons and would start going for a wander there which then started to push me driving up to Snowdonia and up to the Lake District. And the reality is when she was um, six, I really started to look at life that I wasn't particularly happy um, where I was, relationship I was in. And and if I was going to move, then I wanted to move somewhere that I really wanted to be. So I really toyed between living in Snowdonia, which really felt like going home because I'd spent so much time there with my family. But we also used to come to the lakes as well. Um, and I kind of chose the Lake District. Um, I just felt there was more on offer for a little girl growing up than there was in Snowdonia. I might be wrong. I'll get shot down by people who bring the kids up in Snowdonia. But that was my decision at the time, at the tender age of whatever I was, because I'm only 21 now. And <laughs> um, so actually, I moved to the Lake District in 2007 uh, when she just turned seven. Mm-hmm. And I been here ever since it's the longest I've been in one county <laughs> I mean it's a bit of a jump isn't it to chase yeah. uplifting your, your entire life and your daughter and coming to the lake what was the sort of the was it scary how did you feel at the time oh uh, yeah it was really scary because I kind of left somebody um we, we, we get on fine now but I, I just wasn't happy in a relationship with, with him and I just I just I just did it really and, and when I say I just did it I literally did put all my stuff in storage in Barron Furnace um, got in the car with Jordan and went and stayed in a bed and breakfast of people who I'd Dave and Jackie who I, I love dearly and I'm going to come and see you soon mm. um, Dave and Jackie had a and b that I'd stayed in a few times and they were really instrumental in being in touch with me and giving me some information about any jobs going and that they knew somebody had a house coming up for rent and so I literally just did it and I moved to Coniston and I had I didn't know anybody apart from them. And I got there on a Thursday and they took me to the Sun Pub on the Friday um, for happy hour where I met the mountain rescue team and joined the rescue team. And then I got a job. Um, wow. <laughs> my wow. Priorities were that way around. Yeah. And my house that I was going to rent fell through because um, the guy I was going to rent it from ended up needing to sell it. And I actually did wow. spend eight months sofa surfing with my daughter sharing double beds and thinking what on earth have I actually done here um I had a lot of support from people I'd met becoming friends um not necessarily in Coniston to be honest but from the walking community of people that I'd met like yourself and (laughs) uh yeah god that was a long time ago and So that was that really. And then eventually, um, in like June, July, the following years, 2008, I finally managed to secure my own flat to rent in Coniston, which was the scene of many, many parties. Many pirates running around Coniston. Yeah, yeah. I've still got the video that I made from that. Oh, God, don't show it. Yeah. Well, you talk about um, 
Uh, you talk about couch surfing when so Jordan would have been what seven years old, something like that, when you were doing that. So, I think as a parent, now that I've got kids about that, well, six year old myself, (laughs) you sort of sit, you you must sit there as an adult and think, What am I doing? What am I doing to my daughter doing couch surfing? Does she look back at that as a big adventure? Because it must have been an amazing adventure for a seven year old. So, Jordan was really difficult, as you might remember, actually, um, when she was that age. She was was really really hard work. Um, I wouldn't put that down to. Um, what we did in our life in terms of moving, she just happened to be one of those kids um, that, you know, I, I mean, I thought I went to a child psychologist because she was just such a handful and they said that, you know, she had kind of mild hyperactivity. And But ultimately, the, the question pointed back at myself was that, you know, the issues that she was having were basically my fault. And if I'm really honest, being a parent by yourself in your early 20s, is is hideous actually yeah, because yeah, unless it's difficult you are being 37 with a wife yeah you? there's no yeah. you know there's no book and and actually no. in your early 20s you're pretty selfish and you and I, I i my life kind of went along without going too into too much depth on that but my life went along the lines of i became a mum and it definitely wasn't on my plans of radars to, to do that you know yeah. And so trying to parent a child that really did not want to come walking up hills with me and actually didn't want to do much else, to be fair. She was right. she was quite unruly. I really and then I'd moved away from anybody I did know in any support network I had because I didn't have anybody, you know, and Dave and Jackie to a point could only have us in there so long, especially when Jordan decided she was going to have a massive tantrum screaming fit and they had other guests mm. in the B&B. I definitely thought, what the hell have I done? Um, because I, I didn't have anybody. Mm. Uh, but you know, if you want something bad enough, you'll make it work. Well, it was about know? that time. It was about that time that we met. So it we is, to, yeah. Um, it was the lift the outdoors walk. Yeah, LFTO. Yeah, yeah, the forum so from Trail Magazine. They've a got big a lot group of us. I think most of us actually still keep in touch. And um, yeah, yeah. And you seem to, from someone on the outwards looking in, you seem to sort of have your life settled in the ladies. I remember. Um, we went on a trip to Abbeymore and we hired a minibus and there were about 12 of us up going up to Abbeymore. Uh, no, it wasn't. Sorry, it's Kinlock Leaven, that trip. We went, we went to Kinlock Leaven. It was, yeah, <laughs> Kinlock Leaven. got picked up by a minibus, all That's of us it. on the way up. Yeah, yeah, we picked you up from Junction 36 and then on the way back, we were driving back and it's that, it's that stretch of motorway from sort of Shack down to 36 where you can see sort of the Eastern Fells, the Lake District, and you, you were so giddy with excitement still then. I remember you saying, I live there, I live there, I live there. Oh, yeah, I don't even <laughs> know. Annoying all of us who lived in like, Manchester and Birmingham going yeah. further south. Yeah. You were so excited. Sort so of I mean, you seemed to have everything so- sorted. You were a chef, you were part of the mountain rescue team. Yeah. I only moved there in the November and then one of the first meets from the from the LFTO forum days before social media um, happened in the, on the week, I moved on the Thursday and then that weekend it was it was the first meet and um, I didn't have Jordan she was at my grandparents so I was able to come out and I kind of had this moment where I was like oh god I don't need to go home I am home I I, I live over the next valley I can I, I can I, I don't have to go anywhere and then when we went to away in that February uh, again I'd only been here then a couple of months and the reality was that I was going home and we'd had this giddy, incredible time. My first time really in Scotland. I'd been to Scotland once as a brief drive through. That's a whole other story. My friend still hasn't been back to Scotland with me. Um, (laughs) And driving back, the reality was I was coming back to the Lake District. It was, 
yeah and I did get I do sometimes get moments where I'm coming back from Scotland and I'm like oh I don't want to go home and then everyone tells me to shut up because I'm coming district. home to the Lake District <laughs> and they're not I'm not coming home to Bolton or Manchester so yeah you are um, you are living the dream for many of us oh <laughs> uh, I do think I, I do try it you know it still has its moments it, yeah you know I've made it a living now and so you know there are the moments where it's a job and there's loads of admin which is just hideous and anybody that knows me listening to this knows how really brilliant I'm not at admin um (laughs) um but yeah I have and it you know what it wasn't easy it really wasn't easy but if 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 everything was easy then then we'd all have what we want in life wouldn't we and you've got to earn it you've got to work hard so you're part of the mountain rescue team in Coniston how did you find that I loved it yeah. I loved it. They're my other family and I feel very fondly about them still. And I'm in touch with a lot of them. Um, and just, they definitely helped sculpt and mold me, not in terms of the mountains. Cause I was, I was pretty fairly mountain savvy anyway, which is, I suppose why I managed to join the team. And I, when I joined, I was the youngest member in the team. I definitely was the one that had the most say as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not that you'd believe that. Um, and, I, you know, there were a few characters in there that I thought, oh, God, they hate me. And and actually they didn't. They just they saw a lot of potential in me and in the background were like willing me on. And and just when I did leave the team, which was after kind of about eight, eight and a half years, and that was because my, my business started to kick off then and I couldn't make um, call outs anymore, um, I I... I had some beautiful letters from them, honestly, and I, I am in touch with them, and I do try to go and see them in for a while. But I'm mm. I'm intending to try and get down this week because it's their 75th anniversary actually this year. Oh, amazing! Being the first mountain rescue team in the Lake District who attended wow. a call out, and yes, yeah, so that's actually happening at the moment. If you manage to get up and get to Coniston, you can yeah. go and there's a they're doing a there's like a display in the um, John Ruskin Museum. So I was really. It was incredible to be part of that. Um, it definitely helped ground me a bit being part of, you know, a really big group of, you know, almost like surrogate parents to me. They were actually, yeah, um, yeah. they really did look after me and I, I had a fantastic time with them. Don't, don't Obviously there were some not so fantastic times, mm. um, but on the whole, yeah, like just one of the best things we've ever done. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. It's sort of one of the things in this little news section in the podcast and we cover the fact that three of the mountain rescue members have been nominated for mbes this year from aaron langdale and edale and um i think it's i mentioned it's one of the things that actually i think i'd quite like to do if i live near the mountains but i'm not sort of close enough really i think we all anyone you've got a team you've got a team in your area uh there's bolton isn't there yeah but I'm about 40 minutes still from Bolton. Yeah, but you'll look at, if you look at the area that they cover, it'll be okay. quite large. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, that's something to look into then. Yeah, so you're, you're in the mountain rescue, you've got your chef in, you've got your flat, you seem to have your life sorted. What was the motivation then to move on even further into sort of your mountain leader qualifications? So I, it was, that was definitely the reason I decided to move to the mountains. A, because I was fed up of driving up and down the M6, which actually back then was not quite the car park it is now. Um, and I wanted to be able to work in the outdoors. And to be honest, at that point, I had absolutely no idea how to go about it. I didn't understand the structure or the qualifications or anything. I, I was just like, right, what, what, how do I do this? And so moving up there then, and actually, um, it was a couple of the members of the team who then pointed me in the direction of 
where to go in terms of mountain training and doing the mountain leader qualification. But the reality was I couldn't actually do it because I was a, I was a mummy on my own who needed to go to work to pay the bills and I couldn't afford to take a week off work and pay the money to do the training or assessment courses plus get my daughter looked after. And so actually I'd got to the mountains and I couldn't bloody do it. I couldn't, I couldn't do. And there was quite a degree of frustration around that because I had some friends who some of them had actually been to the university in Ambleside doing outdoor ed and stuff and had managed to break through into working the outdoors. And they, they were doing it and were saying, God, you should be doing this. You know way more than we do. And I was like, I know, but I can't get qualified. And and actually the reality was that um, Stuart and I got together, um, who, who I'm married to, and uh, do you know that's 10 years this year? Holy moly. Wow. And yeah. No. And it was actually when Stuart and I got together that he said, go and do your mountain leader, pay for the training. He was at home to help me with Jordan. And financially, I wasn't suddenly trying to juggle everything on my own. And literally, I ran out the door and did it. And, you know, my feedback from that was, go and get your assessment done. Mm. Um, And, you know, for anybody out there wanting to do it, I did my assessment fairly soon after my training. And I didn't fly through it, not by any means, because my nerves and, and, and I... I set myself up for a failure because I'm so nervous because I'm being watched that it didn't flow and it didn't feel very natural. Yeah. And I did pass it, but my feedback was that they passed me because I can see my skill set, but my nerves utterly just get in the way. It's a hideous, it's a hideous thing. And so yeah. for anyone out there wanting to do it, you know, try and try and just see it that you're going out on the hills for five days, six days, you're going to go and have a nice time. And, mm. and actually what will be will be because the more you relax, it's very easy to say that, but I have been there. And so when I'm saying to people now that I'm taking out that are getting ready for it and the nerves are overriding, just, just go just go out on the hills for five or six days and have a nice time. And what will mm. be will be because the more relaxed you are, the more natural it comes because it's yeah. what you like doing. Yeah. So that was really how I then managed to to do my mountain leader and then then started to form this this crazy business that's going on now. <laughs> It's a business that, like, for someone who follows you on Facebook and knows you pretty well, it seems to be doing well. So all credit to you for going out and doing it and making a success of it. I mean, you've just come back from Nepal. You yeah. Know, you, you mean, you're being paid to take people to who Nepal. Thunk it? It's like everyone's, it's like everyone's dream, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and like, it's for me as well. I'm not answering to anybody. Um uh, I do I do still freelance for a few people. Um, it's nice to keep your foot in the door with with people. I've got a really, really big network, actually, of people here now um, who I'm friends with as well as colleagues with and go to for advice. And, you know, and I owe a lot to some of them. They help me out. They lend me kit, you know. Um, if I need to learn something, they, they, they teach me. They help me. Um, you know, I was adamant I wasn't ever going to gill scramble. I was like, no, I'm not going to gill scramble. I spend my life in the gill now. I love it. <laughs> crazy, crazy woman diving down the gill. And even my mum has learned the gill now, and she comes flying down the gill with me. So it's like it's crazy. It's just fantastic. Wow. But um, to be involved with a community of outdoor instructors who live and breathe. It is a lifestyle, you know, we're not in it to, um, we're certainly not in it to get rich. We're not, Mm. we're not ever going to set the world on fire, but it's a lifestyle that gives you the most incredible way of living. Um, We're often knackered, um, but 
we're knackered doing some really cool cool stuff yeah, I, get, I get out into the mountains about six <laughs> eight times a year and i'm knackered after two or three it. days yeah in <laughs> <laughs> yeah. your life out there yeah i remember those days as well i mean to be fair like i, I was chatting to um chatting to a friend the other morning about last year you know post-covid um, I, I had, along with a lot of other people, two years worth of work bounced into last year, plus last year's work. And a lot more people in the UK suddenly realising what was on the doorstep and coming out, or mm. all, along with maybe restrictions on going abroad. And normally, by the time we get to kind of mid-August, end of August time, September, we're all a bit frazzled. We were frazzled by June last year. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> across the board was absolutely battered. <laughs> Didn't know what had hit us. And that was a combination of us not doing it to the extent that we normally do it, yeah. but also just the amount of it that was coming through. So, yeah, yeah we were all a bit. It really shot through in sort of a lot of the outdoors groups all saying how busy it was. and That was mental. Yeah, <laughs> sort of post-COVID, I found the outdoors, didn't they? So yeah. do you think you've yeah, had yeah. your... For someone who you've had an incredibly inspiring story for a lot of us, you know, I think, I mean, I looked at doing it sort of a long time ago, becoming a mountain leader and getting my qualifications and stuff. But so life takes over, you get your career and your kids and your family and you just sort of carve a different route. And then you look at someone like yourself and it's incredibly inspiring. Do you think, have you ever had a moment where you thought, that's it, I've made it, I've done it? Have you had your I've made it moment? Um, I think the real... I think, I mean, yeah, but I seem to have them all the time. <laughs> oh, amazing. Like, I mean, that's, a, that's like, incredible. Though. It's brilliant. Like, it's definitely, um, so I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without, you know, having moved here, but also really joining LFTO and meeting the likes of, you know, Johnny and and mates. that, And we all pushed each other, didn't we? Yeah. And I was really lucky to fall into kind of a, a circle of friends and mates that had different skills that we could all help to upskill each other to the point of then going to the Alps and stuff so I didn't need to book a guide or book a professional to help me do that I I was amongst the group of people that have that and for me that was a really normal natural thing and you know what for many people that isn't that isn't life and they don't have that social circle to get out with and do these things and and when I take somebody out who comes to me that wants to achieve learning a map and compass, you know, or scrambling or being really frightened of, of of heights or doing striding edge up to somebody standing at every space camp who never in a million years thought they would. I'm an emotional mess. Oh, I'm literally yeah. an emotional mess <laughs> constantly. Um, you know, people look, I can just see it in their eyes. And and I've, I've done that. I've been able mm. to do that. And it's not like I've done that. Oh, my God, look how good I am. It's like, oh, my God, I am just... I'm just little, I'm just a girl that likes walking up the mountains and I want to take everyone with me. And uh, it's really humbling to be able to play that part in people's lives. I don't, I don't, I'd never want to appear that I've got an ego or I think I'm better than others or anything. I like to share my experiences. I've had tears and I've had tantrums and I've had meltdowns and I've lost the plot (laughs) trying to do some of this stuff. First time I was on the Sky Ridge. Oh my God, I literally have left fingernails and uh, definitely where was some brown patches in my pants you know (laughs) you know I practically needed to slap around the face to get a grip and now I take people up there yeah you know so I understand and have this empathy when people are nervous and they don't they're not feeling the way they want to feel because I've been there and sometimes it still happens now you know Stu and I have walked away from rock faces in silence (laughs) 
because mm. of my because of my behavior <laughs> um so i think standing at every space camp in 2017 with my first group and i just sat there and i was like oh my god like wow. i i have got my entire group here mm. and me i've done i've done this you know but i say i've done it i wouldn't be doing it without Stu. Yeah. and it drives me insane actually as i'm sure all husband and wives say about each other but i wouldn't be doing this without him and his support and backup i i, I would but it wouldn't be the same it, and it wouldn't have come as soon and it you know i would have always got there but we are a team um and he sits in the background putting yeah. up with me yeah <laughs> Yeah, you, you, you can sort of see that in a lot of the Facebook posts that you put. <laughs> his, his, what, his smiley face. <laughs> That's a cause for, I, you know, it's frustrating. I can put this amazing post up about what somebody's achieved or where we've been. And then there's there's this picture of Stu. And there's no comments about what anyone's doing. It's about, oh, my God, Stu looks like he's maybe smiling. Oh, look, Stu's not smiling. It's quiet. It is, quite it is real life. It's real it life. Is, it's, yeah, it is real yeah. life. And I think, I think behind... I marketed myself as as my name because then I want people to know what they're getting and they're yeah. just going to rock up and it's me. Yeah, um, amazing. <laughs> there's way too much admin though. The more work that comes in, the more admin that requires. And oh my yeah. God, I hate it. I think I'm any utterly, Most of my emails start with an apology um, because they're either I've promised that email a week ago. And actually, if I'm if I'm really honest, I probably do lose business because I'm really crap at actually getting back to people when i say i'm gonna or instantly i just there's only one of me yeah, yeah of course yeah. it's hours in the day um and it is quite it, it, it's funny because yeah i am kind of living the dream but it does have the flip side of it you know there are times when i'm like oh i really want to get out and go and do this climb or climb that mountain or walk up there and go walking in scotland whatever but actually i'm knackered yeah. because i'm doing it as a job as well and yeah. so for the first two years it was really hard to find the balance and it was quite a strain on 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 Stu and I because he was like, you know, come on, let's pop out this evening. Like we would normally, you know, summer nights go out up a hill or go for a climb or whatever. And I, was, I didn't want to go because I was too tired. And so I had to really work hard to get the balance right so that we still have our life outside of me. Not It's not getting bored, but when you've been walking like all day and also – when you're out with 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 clients now on the hill, you're on permanent send talking all the time. And so when you come home, you kind of just want to not talk. Um, and and I mean that kind of. Works I suppose that is the downside of turning your passion into a business. Is it? Is, yeah. It so it was work. to start with. It was to start with. There was the excitement of oh my god, I'm actually doing some living the dream. But the reality was actually it was really quite tough to mm. to get it right. Um, and now um, the balance is, is brilliant. You know, last year was hard, but that's because of everything that had gone on. Yeah. And um, I say everybody in the industry found last year really tough. Uh, in in general, so this year looks to be much more settled. Um, but equally, this year is also looking a little bit different in terms of people are financially challenged at the moment, and yeah. we are booking somebody like me. We are we're we're a hobby, we're a luxury item, we're not a necessity. And so the mm. first thing that's going to get kicked out of people's budgets is experiences with people like me. And I know a lot of people are all noticing it. We're all okay, but we can see the difference already. Right. Um, so. You know, time will tell. Uh, mm. That's you know, we're self-employed, and so there's never any, 
there's never any guarantees with that. And even the people that have got bigger businesses that are freelance for, you can only freelance for people if they've got enough work coming in to give it to the freelance. So it is a, it's a tricky industry to be in. And we spend our lives then constantly making sure we've got work for the next month, the next month, the following year. And so it doesn't, you don't ever really switch off. Yeah. But once you find that balance, it's, um, it's ace. Amazing. Oh, well, it's amazing to hear. So we sort of, we're coming to the end now, really. But there's one question that we that I'm going to ask everybody who comes on the podcast, uh, which is quite an interesting one. But it's, it, the question is, what's the one no. thing that most people are surprised to find out about you? I think there's probably been a few already in this podcast. Um, what's the one thing people are most surprised to find out about you? Oh, I, I think it's quite often when we get to chat to people and people are always interested in asking stuff about me I always try and talk about my people's lives on the hill but they as somebody put it to me they don't want to talk about their lives they're there to get away from it they want to talk about my life because it seems much more exciting (laughs) than theirs and um I am quite noisy and I have a lot to say and I I am known for having I I do like my noisy rock bands and you certainly um, bring an element of humor to most situations yeah, I do try. I do try. There's no point in taking yourself too serious, is there? Yeah. Um, but I'm classically musically trained and I play the flute. Ah, <laughs> oh, you see, I, I never knew that about you. I've known you, what, 12 did years? Did you not? I no. do. So I, I can play the piano to a certain oh. extent and I play the flute. And uh, um, I do keep I'm getting, surprised. I keep getting nagged by the local pub, the musicians, because on a Monday night, all the musicians rock up. I've got some dear friends now down there. Yeah. They say, come and bring the flute. And I'm like, the problem is, is that they're playing like some folky music and I don't know it. I've got yeah. to learn that first. And I'm a bit shy to play it, but I, I get it out at home when I'm on my own sometimes yeah. and have a little little tinkle. Um, oh, but I do, I, I like in the lakes, And there was a musician, music. there was a musician from the Lake District who played at our, um, played at our wedding. We should put you in touch with her. Uh, what's her name? Like Carol, I think her name was. Anyway, she plays folk music down in the, the brewery, Portshead Brewery quite often and stuff. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. at some point I will. Some point yeah. I will. But um, so for all of my noisy, jovial, jokey craziness, I love sitting and listening to a proper orchestra play some classical music. Amazing. I love watching on the tail of watching Andre Roux, and I really do love like that kind of music. But yeah, time, he, he, you'll find me at a music concert you... at the front. He doesn't come across as your usual classical musician, though. No, Andre Roux no, is quite flamboyant really. and. and uh... yeah. And yeah, and uh, yeah, quite out there. Oh, that's amazing. probably why people see, that's quite it. often people often go, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's a, like I say, I've known you what twelve years. It surprised me. So there we go. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, thank you very much for telling your story. Like I say, it's, it, hopefully it's provided some inspiration to anyone who's listening. Um, yeah. Is I mean, for someone who's known you for twelve years, it is quite inspiring to see really that you've made a life and. Uh, uh the outdoors you'll be in your life you know i'm leaving here and i'm driving to shrewsbury to go and try and sell some cocktails to a nightclub and yeah there's worse jobs to do but to make the outdoors a bigger part of your life is the dream isn't it so if yeah, anyone wants it, to it anyone wants to find you use your services where can they find you where do they where should they head to find you so my website's Haley web mountain adventures 
and that is also my Facebook page. It's under my name. If you search Hayley Webb, generally speaking, you'll find me. Apparently, there's another Hayley Webb, and I didn't know this. Oh. Um, how very dare they? <laughs> um, so, yeah, Hayley Webb, Mountain Adventures. Just have a look. My website um, My website's quite often the least bit of being updated. So Facebook's usually the best option. Um, I'm actually just about to send info to my website lady to update it for me, because I don't know how to mm. do it. Well, I was, on the website. <laughs> I was on the website the other day. You've got uh, three, three trips on there, you at the moment you've got sky uh Mount yeah so got west thailand way west thailand way um yeah. every space yeah. camp again this year and then yeah. yeah there's a week a week in sky uh there's also a week in crete which the advert's going to go up for this week once i actually get my thumb out and get it advertised because i need to hurry up i'm being yeah. nagged for that one um so we have an adventure week out in crete but yeah oh, come to sky come Amazing. to come to nepal come everywhere it's brilliant yeah lovely ah oh. winter first we've got lots of winter skills on first yeah amazing oh well thank you very much Hayley much appreciated thank you see you later (laughs) bye mate so thank you to Hayley there for the interview uh just a quick note to let you know that uh all the links to Hayley's website and uh Facebook page are available in the show notes Random fact of the month. In May 1996, Italian Hans Camelander completed the fastest ever ascent of Mount Everest. Any guesses? When he climbed from the northern side and going from base camp to the summit, he completed it in 16 hours and 45 minutes. So I thought, first of all, it'd be good to introduce myself, since it is my voice that you're going to be listening to every month. So, um, well, my name's Rob. I live near Wigan with my wife and two young children who are three and six. I grew up near London um, and for the first 18 years of my life, except for the odd family trip to the Lake District and the local woods the outdoors wasn't a massive part of my life Uh, that all changed when I moved to Manchester uh, 18 went to university started to explore a little bit more Uh, one of my first trips uh, went to the Peak District first and then extended out into the Lake District Um, and for my first walk really I was hooked on the outdoors my first walk was up Coniston and I got lost before I even got to Leavens Tarn but 19 years on from then and the outdoors is a huge part of my life I've uh, completed all the Wainwrights, seven years and a week to finish the Wainwrights. I was a little bit disappointed when I, I only realised afterwards it was the extra week, so I probably should have done it on the seventh year anniversary, but it was seven years and a week to finish the Wainwrights. I've done a couple of dozen Munros, I've climbed Triglav in Slovenia, ice climbed in the Cairngorms. Recently, I've taken up paddleboarding and obviously with my kids to try and get them into the outdoors as well mainly through sort of camping trips at the moment with them being so young. But the outdoors is a big part of my life. And if I ever get any spare time, it's always in the outdoors. Um, I also have an allotment as well, uh, which obviously keeps me outdoors a bit more. And I play squash once a week. And then obviously I've got to pay the bills as well. So the bills are paid by, I'm a national sales manager for a drinks company. So I drive around the UK uh, selling drinks to pubs and bars and clubs and stuff. 
So why have I set up a podcast? Well, my job involves a lot of driving around the UK, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I do listen to some other outdoorsy podcasts, but they all seem to be uh, interview formats. So I wanted something a bit more broad um, uh, to include things like news and events. You know, I wanted to keep updated on that and uh, I quite like hearing other people's trip reports for inspiration. So this is intended to be a bit more of a magazine format. So, for example, in this first episode today, we've got um, a, a interview with Hayley Webb, who is a uh, mountain leader and she's got quite an inspirational story moving from London up to the lakes with uh, uh, as a single mum and quite a, an inspirational story we've got a trip report from geocaching geocaching in the uh, on a drive across the highlands of Scotland and um, something that I do quite a bit of geocaching uh, there's a small news section where we'll update every month on anything interesting happening in the outdoors world and uh, any events coming up for um, uh, for inspiration to get out into the outdoors, and a fact of the month as well. Okay, time for the news now, and this is the third time I've recorded something about the news uh, this month, um, because obviously the biggest story of the month has been all about Dartmoor, and it's been a moving story throughout the month, um, where it was essentially uh, banned, while camping was banned in Dartmoor, it's the only place left in England, certainly, obviously Scotland have their own uh, laws, um, England and Wales. Uh, where you could legally well camp without permission. Um, a landowner down there, Alexander Darwell, uh, successfully fought a case whereby he essentially said the wording on uh, the law, which had been in place since 1985, was wrong, and uh, he successfully fought to ban wild campers on his land. There was some confusion initially whether it was just his land or the entire national park, and it turns out it was the entire national park. Then there was um, protests planned and uh, mass press uh, trespassing like we had in Kinder. Um, and it was an incredibly sad story, really, um, having that right taken away from us, as most of us, I'm sure, are fairly uh, responsible when it comes to wild camping so it seemed to be uh, a bit of an issue um that was being it was being taken away from us it put uh, events at risk like the 10 tours challenge where thousands of young people teenagers take part in learning about the outdoors and wild camping and it would have been a huge shame for that um uh, that to be put at risk when uh, it's, it's you know it's formative years for these kids and learning to love the outdoors and it's obviously incredibly important to most of us who already love the outdoors. Um, then, essentially, the national park uh, worked really quickly. Actually, they worked really quickly to speak with other landowners and they've come up with an agreement whereby. Wild camping is still allowed on most of the land, apart from Alexander Darwell's land. So this, it, it's been sort of rejigged a little bit. Um, there's still a lot, a few people out there that aren't happy because they're saying it's not 
um, sort of a legal right. It's just, you know, they're, they're, they've given permission for people to wild camp on their land. Um, it's not a legal right, and it's the last place in the UK where it was a legal right. But the law's been proved to be wrong. Um, so it's going to continue to to move this story, I think. Um, but I think for now, you know, it's it's fairly positive in the sense that uh, wild camping was banned entirely for a while. Um, and we've now got permission to wild camp on certain parts of land. So, you know, we'll keep bringing um, each month. I'm sure there'll be some development on it. On it. Uh, in other news, there is it's obviously New Year, and the uh, three mountain rescue leaders uh, were appointed MBEs for their service to mountain rescue. Uh, Tony Hood, Alistair Hume, and Nick Owen were all appointed MBEs for service to mountain rescue. Uh, Tony is of the Edale Mountain Rescue, Alistair of Arran, and Nick of Langdale. And I did a bit of research into them. They've clocked up over 100 years of service to mountain rescue services. Um, so I think, you know, anyone who loves the outdoors knows that these are the unsung heroes that are volunteer mountain rescuers. Not that everyone realises they're volunteers when they get called out for people climbing Scarfell Pike in high, high hills and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, great news, lovely news. It's always nice to see the recognition that they deserve. Um, and hopefully it will give you some inspiration to pop a quid in one of those boxes that you see everywhere. Um, if not, then perhaps the next story will, uh, in what's got to be some sort of record, well, maybe not a record that they wanted to break, because the Mountain Rescue team have received, uh, well, they received a call out 44 minutes into the new year when a lady broke her ankle trying to climb Great Gable. Uh, I'm not too sure about you guys, but if a call came in at 12.44am on New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, not too sure I'd be in any fit state to to go climbing a mountain to go and help help this young, this lady. Um, but fourteen of their rescuers were, so off they went. Five and a half hours later, plucked off the mountain. Um, I know there's a few people saying, oh, you know, what they're doing out on New Year's Eve, putting services at risk and whatnot. But yeah, you know, I'm sort of of the opinion it's a free world. Do what you want. And they they were they were um you know they were uh, well equipped they'd already taken decisions to turn around so they seemed to know what they were doing um but yeah no twelve forty four not too sure I'd be doing that uh there was also the ISPO show in Munich in November which is one of the largest sports trade shows in the world um as always it's a showcase for new products and technology there's the usual lightweight jackets new technology keeping you warm and drier cooler for longer um but the more interesting developments for me were firstly now i'm going to say this hopelessly wrong it's bajao cabin b-a-j-a-o cabin which is a tent designed to fit on a paddleboard now I don't know. I've just taken up paddleboard and the thought of sleeping on one, you know, I'm not too sure about that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the sport's developing quickly and uh, I can sort of see uh, see how it would be appealing for some people. Um, Rab also showcased their first sleeping mat at the show. I, I don't know about you guys, but I always thought Rab did sleeping mats. I'm surprised to find out they didn't. I don't know why I thought they always did sleeping mats, but, you know, they're making a big deal out of the fact this is their first sleeping mat. So, Clearly not. Uh, so I suppose it's uh, newsworthy. Um, 
And lastly, the for one for the more aspirational, perhaps amongst us, there's a French company called Semea, who showcased the new tent. And it weighs in at just 655 grams, packs down to a volume of just two liters, and it has all the high-end tech you'd expect from a top-end tent. Uh, the price, £1,500 for anyone with more money than me, clearly. Uh, and lastly, the Mountain Body Associations uh, announced that they will be commencing work on a new body. Um, it's a, a single-story building in the Loch Avic uh, forestry area near Argyle. Uh, it's going to take about two years to complete, they think. And they're looking for volunteers uh, to help on the uh, to help on the project. So if you want to volunteer on that, then uh, get in touch with the Mountain Bodies Association. And that's the news this month. Next up, we're going to bring you a trip report. Now, I had the idea for this podcast a long time ago and started doing some recordings. So this was actually from 2019 when I first conceived the idea, uh, but it's still relevant today. Uh, the report's an introduction to geocaching, an activity that perhaps not a lot of people have tried. Uh, I've personally found over a thousand, uh, which sounds like a lot, but there's a lot of people out there who found a lot more. Um, best described as an outdoors treasure hunt. The port comes from a drive through the Scottish Highlands whilst I was, mo- I was on my way to a meeting with work. Perhaps the best description of a micro-adventure. For more information about geocaching, the best place to start would be www.geocaching.com. Now, over to Loch Lomond. Okay, so today I am geocaching. Uh, my uh, my meeting today, uh, well, I've got a meeting tomorrow morning in Inverness. Uh, I normally fly up, but um, the flight's too expensive, so I'm driving up. And so I've had a meeting in Glasgow, and now I'm taking the scenic route from Glasgow up to Abbeymore, where I've decided to stay the evening. Um, not going up the A9, I'm going up the A82 towards Fort William and then cutting across. And so currently I am driving along the shores of Loch Lomond. It's early May, it's lovely weather. And I've got Ben Lomond directly in front of me and driving into the mountains and the countryside. Um, so it's going to be a lovely drive on the way up to Aviemore. And on the way there, I'm going to be doing a bit of geocaching. Uh, making the most of uh, not having any meetings and not having any time pressures to get there so I'm going to be stopping um, and seeing some nice scenic places on routes now uh, just a short introduction to geocaching um, as some people may not know what it is it's uh, technically it's uh, well it's the way it's described on geocaching.com which is probably the best place to go to get your initial introduction is it's described as a high-tech treasure hunt um, essentially what you do is you go on the website you can all, all the geocaches that are hidden across the world are plotted on a map on the geocaching website and uh, you use the coordinates on the website and you can use an app on your phone which is how I found all of my geocaches and you can go and find these little top boxes 
hidden in the countryside. There's lots all over the world, really. There's, and they're in cities, they're in towns, they're in villages, they're in countryside. There's in small clusters. There's some very sparsely spread out. And the majority of them are Tupperware boxes. They've got a logbook on the inside, so you can sign it and prove that you found it. Some small trinkets for change for uh, changing for for kids when they find it. Um, and it just uh, breaks up your journey. Uh, I got into it because I wanted somewhere different to walk my dog, and uh, I was getting bored of the same route the whole time. And I got into geocaching because it sort of took me off to different parts of the UK, different parts of my local area that I perhaps didn't know existed. And on a route like this today, it takes you off to interesting places. So, uh, yeah, I'll break up my journey on the way up to Abbeymore. So I will check in when we're at the first geocache. Okay, so we stopped off for the first uh, geocache. Every geocache has uh, its own, uh, what they call a GC number. So you can look it up if you go on geocaching.com and look up the GC number. And the GC is GC5GKX2. And I've just parked in a little lay-by, about 20 metres from the geocache. And uh, I walked past the geocache, actually, because uh, you can walk down to the lake. So I'm just on the shores of Loch Lomond now, and it's a beautiful, quiet spot. The lake's there, very calm. And there's uh, a little beach here, and obviously people have been having fires and picnics and stuff on the beach. And uh, every now and then the truck will go past on the road. And interrupt the peace, but apart from that, it's a beautiful spot. Loads of mountains all around us, and lovely clear water, lovely sunny day. Uh, so I'm going to walk back up the track now and find the geocache. Okay, so just walking back up the geocache now from the beach and the lock. And the geocache is called Haggis Highway, another lock side. Uh, now, most geocaches come with a hint, uh, in case you're struggling to find it. And the hint on this one is bottom of the knobbly tree under some sticker flage. So I found the knobbly tree. Well, I think the geocache is. Just have a little root bound now. Well, the trick is try not to get caught by a car going past because you can look a little bit suspicious. Moving around the bottom of trees, and looking, I can't find really the most logical place. The uh, I think I might be at the wrong tree actually. The uh, I don't know, the GPS says I'm five meters, and the GPS is accurate up to ten meters. So anywhere within ten meters, you are normally close to the cache. So this is just an app on my phone that I'm using. It's just the G. It's actually Cashly. Is the app I'm using. Yes, let me check the past log. It was found. Ah, it was found a few days ago. But everyone's saying 
That is, it wasn't, it wasn't as per the hint. So, the hint threw us off. Alright, that's obviously not on the sticker flange. Alright, there's a big hole in the middle of the tree. And it's in there. I will keep hunting. Report back if and when I find it. Alright, so I found it. It was in uh, in the hole in the middle of the tree actually, so the hint everyone's saying on their previous logs that it should be updated. Um, so I'll just open up and I'll just open up the uh, geocaching inside inside this paper plastic bag, there's the log. So I will I've just brought it back to my car because it's only 20 metres away. I will sign the log and pop it back where I found it and then tonight probably when I'm back at my hotel I will uh, go on the website or go on the app and uh, log it as a find. Uh, last time it was found was 27th, 22nd of April it's the 2nd of May today so you put the date 2nd of May 2019 your geocaching name and put that back in the bag it's uh, it's just a small container this one and you can get some large size containers I've put this one down as a, a small size container to be honest can't fit a great deal in there but there is a few trinkets there's a penny and a little bell if you can hear that uh, so if, you, uh, if you've got the kids with or something it's quite nice for them to change something that's in there they can bring their own trinkets along and, and change it so I will put that back where I found it. And like I say, it's more about, you know, it's uh, not particularly thrilling, you know, if you're into your thrill-seeking, it's not particularly that sort of activity. It's more just about trying to, for me, it's about seeing different areas and breaking up your day a little bit. Um, they're all over the UK, so you can find them wherever you go, really. And then on a long journey up to Aviemore, it's helping to break up the day, and I found a nice little beach. Um, and a nice little spot to stop for five minutes, just have a walk around, stretch the legs and find the geocache. So we'll move on. I'm going to pop this back where I found it and we'll move on and uh, I'll report back on the next one. Okay, we've stopped at another geocache. Um, there's different types of geocaches. Um, the vast majority of them are called traditionals, which is basically where the coordinates are posted online. You go to those coordinates, hunt for the geocache, you find a little pop and uh, that's the geocache. There's other types, there's um, uh, there's event caches, which is where just a group of geocaches get together and have an event. There are um, earth caches, which is where you, uh, you've got to go to the coordinates and answer a load of questions regarding the geology of that point. Uh, there's virtual caches where you've just got to take a photo of yourself at the at the coordinates. And I'm just sat in my car looking at a monument to David Stewart. Um, and this is a multi-cache. The GC number, if you're following along, is GC7BW3Q. Uh, what you're asked to do with this one is uh, you're basically asked to 
uh, note down the dates in which he was alive um, and then you put those dates into the coordinates and that gives you the location of the final cache so I'm about to do that now and well, walk off or drive off to find where the where the final cache is actually located so it's just a good way I mean perhaps you couldn't hide a geocache around here that may use a few houses around and it would have been a good decent enough place to hide one just here but it's an interesting place to bring someone so it's an interesting way to bring you to the monument uh, draw your attention to it and then send you off somewhere to find an actual geocache uh, so I will pull back once I've worked everything out okay we found the final um, so we've driven about a kilometre and a half and we're next to a nice uh, river I'll have to look at which well, the name of the river is and let you know and it's uh, your more typical geocache this one it's a uh, uh, clip top uh, plastic box Tupperware box open this up and get the log out and, uh, and sign it I've not really done as many as I was hoping to do today uh, the reason being is because uh, it's been raining and I said it was beautiful weather at the last cache and it was I was on the west side of the country I've now moved across to the east side past Loch Tay and uh, yeah, the weather's turned so I'm not doing as many caches as I hoped but uh, I will sign this log and uh, move on So hopefully uh, the trip report and the um, interview with Haley and the news and everything and the discussions that we've had over the last hour has given you some inspiration to get out this month. So if you want to get out this month and join in some events, what's coming up in February? So uh, the first thing that I noted was if you want to take cycling, perhaps a bit more seriously, uh, Mark Beaumont is doing a tour, uh, talking about his cycling adventures from over 100 countries. Uh, some some of the dates are sold out already. I, mean, I think there's only two that are sold out. So uh, there are still tickets available in Tunbridge Wells, Radlett, Cheltenham, Newport, Worcester, Buxton, Aberdeen, Inverness, Stirling, Penrith, Leeds and Sale. And the dates for those range from the 1st of February to the 27th of February. I didn't look at all the prices because they're all individual, I think. But the one nearest me was fairly reasonable um next up on the 16th of february the team behind the kendall mountain festival are putting on an adventure film collection evening with a guest speaker at the brewery art center in kendall uh, they haven't announced who the guest speaker is yet uh, but you'll get an evening of award-winning films from a high altitude adventure to tales showcasing wilderness and adventure travel uh, tickets for that are £13 and they're available from the Kendall Brewery Arts Centre website. And lastly, there's a camping, caravan and motorhome show, which I'm hoping to get along to. I'm hoping to um, uh, bring a few interviews from people there. Uh, it's in Birmingham at the NEC from the 21st to the 26th of February. Um, I've never been, but as with most shows at the NEC, and they're massive events, these, and actually on their website, it says that they had over 100,000 visitors last year. 
which I couldn't quite believe. It's quite a quite an extraordinary figure. So um, looking forward to it. Um, I mean, I think it's safe to say if there's anything sort of camping related, caravan or motorhome related you're interested in, then you'll probably want to get it onto the show. Um, I'm probably going to be looking more at the camping areas there. Um, and I'll be looking at uh, what new products are on display and information about destinations. Uh, and there is a speaker lineup as well. So tickets are only £12. So hopefully there will be something there to get your outdoors juices flowing. So that's it for this month. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, if there's any feedback that you have, we'd love to hear it. Um, I was, the Facebook page should be set up uh, very soon. So hopefully you can leave some feedback there. And my email, as I said before, is the Outdoors Adventure Podcast at hotmail.com. That's Outdoors Adventure Podcast at hotmail.com. Uh, please leave a review if you do listen to this on uh, Apple Podcasts. It makes a huge difference climbing up the charts uh, and shares it with the outdoors community. Um, so, yeah, if you can review us, that'd be fantastic. Uh, next month, we are going to have a trip report from a body trip, which I'm going to be doing shortly. Um, we're also going to have another fact of the month. We are going to have an interview with... Uh, a scout leader when i say scout leader he actually works for the scouts he's fairly high up in the organization and he specifically looks after the uh, youngest element of the scouts group the um squirrel scout group uh, and then obviously the usual news and reviews news and reviews and events uh, so i hope you enjoyed it and i shall see you next month bye